in classic artwork, a typical picture of Jesus oftentimes has him facing toward you so that you feel like you are invited into that relationship and oftentimes pictures him with his hands and arms outstretched in an open-handed fashion. A reminder to us that God has given everything in order that we might have the life that we enjoy, that we might have the provision we need, that we might, not, we might have the forgiveness that we desire, that we might have the security of an eternal life. God himself is open-handed in his activity in our lives, making arrangements for us and, and entering into our lives to help us and to take care of us, to heal us and strengthen us, to guide us and to lead us, and again, always to secure us to be with him in eternity. When we talk about being open-handed, we, we talk about generosity. A few years ago, we revisited all of our statements and everything that we do that describes who we are, and we distilled down from nine core value statements to four core value statements, and one of those core value statements is included in the title for this series, that we want to be open-handed, we want a church that has generous hearts, and generous hearts became one of those core values, because we recognize as much as we want to serve people, as much as we want to always be accurate and on target with biblical authority and focusing that in our lives as much as we wanted to worship in everything we do, not just when we corporately gather, but throughout the week at work and at home, we want worship to be a priority. As we thought through those core values, we recognize we want it to be God-like, not to become gods, but to be like God in the generosity of our hearts. Now there's good news. As we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. As we go to study that, the good news is this. You can take a deep breath of air. You can take a sigh of relief. If you're on live stream, don't click off because I'm not going to talk about you today. This passage of scripture focuses on us. It focuses on leadership. It focuses on organization. It focuses on staff and and structures. Because it is inappropriate at at the least, if not disingenuous, for us to ask you to give generously, whether that's your finances or it's your resources and time or your, your resources and ability and skills. In any area of our life that we want to be generous, it is completely out of character and inappropriate for us, in my opinion, and I think that's the way the Apostle Paul feels, and we're going to look at his words, for us to say, give and trust without any recognition that there's responsibility on our end. So the good news is, if you were worried about it and you just tucked your wallet a little closer to you, you're okay. I mean, we, we can use the gifts, let me be, let me be honest. Um, but today is about us. As a donor, as a contributor, as a generous heart, what can you expect out of the organization that you love and participate in and that you hopefully are blessed by and enjoy being a part of? What can you expect from your church? I think these are applicable across all ministries. But we're talking mostly about us. We're talking mostly about what takes place here. Because the concepts of accountability, account- integrity, 
the ability to be qualified and be able to lead and be able to administer things appropriately is a reasonable expectation. And it's a reasonable expectation on our church. It's a reasonable expectation on ministries that we partner with as a ministry and as a congregation. It's a, it's a reasonable expectation across every area of our lives where we might willingly give of those resources that honestly are so precious and so important to us. And we have typically worked extremely hard in any area. We work very hard to get the skills that we want to give and volunteer with. We work extremely hard to manage our time. So there are places and moments in which we can give of that time. We work very hard. Um, There's a few people, I think, probably in the world that didn't have to work hard, but most of us, and most of us in our context, have worked very hard for our financial resources. And to part with it is reasonably difficult. And it's more difficult if you don't have any kind of expectation or certainty about the people that are going to administer your gift. We say all the time, and we say it in our ministry, people say it, it's a Christian cliche. I, I am giving to the Lord. And that is absolutely 100% true. Every gift you gave online this week, every gift you dropped in one of the offering boxes, every gift you mailed in, every gift you've given in any shape or form is to and for the Lord. But the reality is he has chosen and called us to administer that here on earth. It doesn't go directly into his account. It went into our account. And he has asked us to manage and steward that. And that's what the apostle Paul is saying to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He is talking about an offering that's going to be taken up to help the churches in Jerusalem. And he reassures them that they should have confidence and can have confidence in the way those resources are going to be managed and administered. So let's go to verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're down in verse 16. We looked at last week, you can catch up with us on, online on, the, on YouTube or on our website, either place the messages are archived um, pretty well everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. In verse 16, he is reassuring the church at Corinth that the things that they give generously will be taken care of cautiously and appropriately. Thanks be to God, he says in verse 16, who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. Titus is the one who will be leading this project. Titus has been tagged by the Apostle Paul to go to Corinth first to pick up the offering and prepare to take it to Jerusalem. Paul will come later with other representatives from church in Macedonia to join Titus and to join the leaders that are with Titus, two other men that are with him, in moving all the gifts and everything to Jerusalem to help the churches in Jerusalem. Titus will be responsible for collecting it. If he's going to be there, Paul needs to introduce the kind of leadership that is qualified leadership. And in this very first statement, he acknowledges that it is caring leadership. God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. Now that may seem funny because when we talk about generosity, we're talking about giving money. And so you think in terms of it leaving, you think in terms of a responsibility, you might even think in terms of an obligation, although as we study Paul's teaching in this area, we'll find out that neither God wants us to feel obligated, and the apostle Paul didn't want to feel obligated, and we don't want you to feel obligated. There is a difference 
between understanding responsibility and a burden of obligation so that you do something begrudgingly. That's not what God likes. We'll see that in chapter nine with that great quote of Jesus that God loves, and the scriptures teach that God loves a cheerful giver. But it is important. Titus cared about the people. This isn't a generic, stale, insulated institution that just wants money. This is a caring, loving organization that has the burden of concern for you on their hearts. Qualified leadership is caring, it's diligent. Verse 17, for he welcomed our appeal and being very diligent, went out to you. He's coming because he has a sense of responsibility. This qualified leadership is diligent and will make sure things get handled appropriately. And it's serving. He's going by his own choice. He may be assigned this task and this project, but ultimately he makes the decision to do this because he's a servant. Qualified leadership is caring, it is diligent, it is serving, and it is cooperative. Look at verse 18. We have sent him with the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. That none of this is about one person or one item or one project This is about churches working together. One of the greatest testimonies to the good news and the hope that's found in Jesus is that we cooperatively together have generous hearts and give. Ministries like ours are completely 100% dependent upon those gifts. And so it is something we do together. And yes, everything's a product of this period of history. We have specialized children's ministries. We have specialized student ministries. We're we're about to have a great weekend of specialized um, simulcast and teaching for the ladies of the church. Guys, we're not invited. I have requested several times to come to the meals. And I've been told, "You're, you're not invited. It's a ladies' ministry. But guess what? Anything we do, no matter how specifically or specialized the target is, it is a product of all of us working together. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a part of this. And qualified leadership understands that there is value in working together. And it is trusted. I love this part in verse 19. And not only that, these, this, this obvious caring and diligence and, and servanthood and, and cooperation and, and working together, but not only all of that, Paul says, he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us. Not only has Paul tagged him for leadership, but the other churches are in agreement because this is a multi-church project in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's trusted. And leadership should and needs to be trusted. Whether it is vocational leadership of ministers and pastors like myself, or it is volunteer leadership like our Bible study teachers and our child care workers and and our deacons and, and our greeters and all the people that help things happen around here, make things happen around here, it's trusted. You have a reasonable and appropriate expectation to be able to trust the people you're giving money to, that it's going to be used for the Lord's glory. And so if we have qualified leadership, then there needs to be careful integrity. 
In the latter part of verse 19, the apostle Paul says, with this gracious gift that we are administrating, he will say this multiple times in both chapter 8 and chapter 9, for the glory of the Lord. That's, and that's always our goal. I mean, that's not a specific separate point. This should override everything else, that what we're doing, who we are, how we handle our business should glorify the Lord. He goes on to talk about the eagerness they have to help. We are taking this precaution. This is careful integrity. It's not happenstance. It's on purpose. So that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administrating. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right. Not only before the Lord, but also before the people. Because the administration of the sacrifice of generous people requires careful integrity. Everything needs to be put in place, whether it is the people who pick up the offering and pick it up in pairs so that no one person is ever alone with any financial resource, whether it's those people or whether it's the people who administer it and and help transition it from your gifts on on Monday and Tuesday mornings into our bank account or it's the people who administer the accounts payable and make sure that we're paying our bills and we're paying on time and we're paying with integrity and our business, our vendors can trust us. It's integrity through the whole system, whether it is the staff who are responsible for it or it is the volunteers like our administration team who oversee and the staff, all of them, including me, report to the administrative team and and every month give an account for every single penny that comes through this ministry. On into our partner ministers, we give, we give properly, we give approximately a little over ten percent of every receipt we receive. We pass on to partner ministries, and we make sure those partner ministries are handling it with integrity, are handling it with responsibility, because it's not just that we're giving it, but even the things we own, we own because God has given them to us and given us responsibility. So at every step of the way, whether it's you as an individual receiving the provision that you're now going to be enabled to give off of, or when you give, you give it to an organization like ours or a church like ours, and now it's in the hands of those who must administer that, every step of the process has to have integrity. Because it's, it's God's. It, it always was. Before you ever received it, it was God's resource. After you gave it, it was still God's resource. And after we receive it and we use it for ministry, it's still God's resource. And uh, the Apostle Paul says it very accurately. We are accountable before the Lord in this integrity and we're also accountable before the people. And so you receive quarterly reports. If you're a member of the church, you receive those reports. You get to see everything that's happening and everything that takes place and nothing's hidden and nothing's behind. Any kind of screens or doors. The only thing that is kept confidential is your gift. Because you have a right to assume that you're sitting here this morning worshiping and studying the Bible and no one knows how much you gave or didn't give. And that's basically it. Everything is open, everything is public record. Because we're motivated to be accountable. Look at verse 22. The apostle says, we have also sent with them our brother, they're traveling in a a group of three men at a minimum. 
we have often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent. This, again, is not happenstance. It's not somebody, somebody walked up and said, hey, you know what? I would like to be in charge of the money. That's probably the quickest way to never be in charge of the money. <laughs> they tested him. They knew there's accountability built into their systems. And even now, more diligent because of his great confidence in you, there's the recognition that the expectation is, and the Corinthians have built that expectation. They have pledged earlier in Paul's first letter this pretty significant amount of money. We don't know the exact amount, but we know that it's a sacrifice on their part to give it. They've pledged it, and now they're going to fulfill it. Now they're going to fill that pledge, which Paul addresses in the first part of chapter 9. They're going to give it. They need to know that there's confidence in them, and they should be able to have confidence in those administering. As for Titus in verse 23, he is my partner and co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. If there is a need for accountability in secular culture and secular business, there is even a greater need for accountability in the church because this is for God's glory. And so the structure does that. As I said with the integrity, we don't let people be alone with it. It can't, you, know, you can't just simply arbitrarily make decisions. There are very few decisions about any financial thing that are, well, there's no decisions that are arbitrary. Almost all of them are always approved by multiple levels and multiple people, even though even the regular weekly stuff, the, the dull stuff, the stuff, the stuff you don't like to pay, we don't like to pay. It gets really tired paying your utility bill. No offense, Devin. We're very thankful for the utility companies and really thankful. When your power goes out during a hurricane, it's because Devin's up at three o'clock in the morning making sure he gets it back to us. So we are very grateful. But just paying a utility bill month after month isn't, it's just not near as exciting as buying a new bow or something. Okay, let me go back to the integrity part. The church has never purchased a bow to my knowledge. <laughs> Let's keep our personal finances somewhat distinct in this moment. There's accountability every way. All accounts payable are approved, oftentimes approved at multiple levels. Everything that's spent, as I've already mentioned in the integrity, is accountable to people from the congregation who serve on the administration team and help with those decisions and, and watch and help guide that process and get the reports. And then ultimately, it's accountable to you because at the end of every quarter, you're going to receive a detailed statement on everything that takes place. And you are welcome at any point in time to call us or email us or ask us any question that might come up because it's your generous heart that God has entrusted to the administration of this church. And it needs to and always should be accountable in every way. The last point may seem kind of funny in a conversation about integrity and accountability and about leadership and about handling things appropriately. I'm just calling it mutual appreciation. In verse 24, he says, therefore, and he's writing to the church at Corinth, the ones who are going to give the offering, show them proof before the churches, evidence, so to speak, of your love and our boasting about you. Paul has used the example in Corinth 
to motivate the rest of the churches throughout the Macedonian region, which were extremely impoverished. They are giving out of their poverty, not out of their wealth and prosperity. He wants Corinth to come through in a significant way so that the great things he said about what God's doing in that church would be proven true. And he wants Corinth to work in such a fashion that the characteristic of generosity becomes the depth of love and affection and appreciation. Because it all comes back to what Jesus said. How will they know that we're his disciples? Because of the love we have for one another. It is easy when we're just talking nuts and bolts to sometimes forget that love's the goal. And not just any love, not just a sentimental, emotional love, but the deep, deep love of God that has changed our lives and changed our hearts. I personally don't believe anyone can have a generous heart sufficiently and accurately unless their life has been changed by Jesus. We are intrinsically, because of sin, selfish people. Generosity happens in a deep deep way when we let Jesus change our hearts. And that needs to be appreciated. We're grateful, thankful for children and student ministry gave us gift bags. You show your appreciation to us as a staff and we're thankful for that. Um, There are a lot of people behind the scenes that need to hear that as well as those of us who are out here. We're grateful for the way you take care of us, but you should know that as a part of this integrity and accountability, we love you. And not because you give, because we don't even know who gives and who doesn't give. We love you and what God's doing in your life. We are the church of Jesus Christ, redeemed, forgiven, and changed by his generous heart that gave everything for us because he loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son We will attempt to do things right. We will pray as you think through and strategize with yourself or with your family if you're in a marriage, how you demonstrate generous hearts. And at the end of the day, we will love one another in a way that's only possible by the grace of God.